For Truth with a Texas Twang, Fireside Talk Radio, the show where women ponder the things we store in our hearts. Host Kathy Carafi invites experts to talk openly about what women care about, like how to create lifelong companionship, dealing with mental illness in our families, bullying at school, and many others. You name it, we talk about it. Listen in now as Kathy helps us find answers to our most tender questions. Welcome to Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio, where our goal is to ponder over all the tried and true stuff we women store away in our hearts as we knit our families together in lifelong fellowship. Our favorite verse on this show is, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Luke 2, 19. Well, I have such a fun show for y'all today. I am welcoming a new friend. His name is Jason Karp, and he grew up with storytelling. He is the son of a screenwriter, and he was a child actor. You might have seen him on classic TV shows like The Bold Ones, The Courtship of Eddie's Father, and one of our uh, crafty family favorites, Bonanza. Screenwriting became his calling from his teens to his 30s, so we are in for a big treat. I want to talk to him a little bit about his uh, 1994 book that you know because I love writing myself he wrote Anatomy of a Massacre about uh, I actually remember this event quite well from Texas when um, we'll talk about that more in a minute but I want to finish his bio so he and his wife Ann live in Minnesota they have three grown children when he's not writing speaking or teaching he is making music playing in the worship team of his church he loves history and trivia, and he was a four-time champion on the TV game show Jeopardy. I can keep going, but one thing I, I liked, Jason, when I was reading over your biography, first, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here, Kathy. Thanks. <laughs> that was quick, wasn't it? I was trying to get through the – I love to share the bio with my listening friends because I want them to know how special you are, but then I don't want to spend too much time on it, so I always read it really fast. Um, one thing that attracted to me, attracted me to you that made me want to interview you, Jason, besides the fact that you were a child actor, which I find fascinating. I also know two more things about the, you that are not in your bio. And one of them is your latest book is it called The Deliverer. And it's a fantasy book. So we're going to talk a little bit about that toward the end of this first podcast. We're going to do two podcasts today, but the other thing that interests me is what you're doing with your church, bringing sci-fi into youth groups. So I, that's one place I want to start this 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 podcast with. But before before we go there, I just want to say welcome to the show, and I'm really excited about getting to interview you. And I want to talk to you about screenwriting in your teens because I just know there's some moms listening that might have a child that is really creative sounds great okay so tell me i know your dad was a screenwriter so is that how you got started or what advice would you give to moms yeah. my, uh-huh. my mom was um the the talent in the family and she was uh-huh. a writer for over 30 years wow and uh, she grew up in missouri and went to school in um, the Chicago area, Northwestern University, which has a very strong um, media 
um, tradition in, in its studies. And a oh. lot of talent made their way um, to Northwestern University, my mom among them. And I was born in Chicago. We came out to Hollywood um, in 1966 when I was four years old. And <laughs> it was, I remember it. It's not quite the Grapes of Wrath. I was in the back seat of a Ford Galaxy 500 two-door. I remember it. Yes. I don't, re- I don't remember the Ford Galaxy, but I'm laughing because I have read your book, The Deliverer, the recent one, and you do so much about cars that I, I kept wondering if you if you were writing to women or men. I mean, it's the kind of book you want to read out loud with your husband because you, he won't be disappointed about all the car crashes and the descriptions of cars. And so that's interesting to me that your earliest memories have to do with cars. Oh, yeah. Well, I was born in 1962, so I was a little boy, muscle car era, and that sticks with you. <laughs> I know a lot of ladies who um, know their cars very well and love them, too. And um, but, yeah, you got me. You, you, I'm convicted. I stand convicted. Absolutely. So um, but I remember the car and I remember the trip across America. And it was a new life for all of us. And my mother, she's with Jesus now. God rest her soul. She was brilliant and Ah. fun. And she loved sci-fi and got me at a very early age. And it was an incredible upbringing. It, um, as a boy, I lived on the same street as Raquel Welsh, who we just lost. Wow. We wow. would go, yeah, we would go trick-or-treating in the North Flats of Beverly Hills, the mansions where so many um, movie stars and, and um, Hollywood executives live. I remember one Halloween, um, we went to Cher's house, and it was all decked out like Castle Frankenstein by the CBS props department. <laughs> and it, and she was there, of course, in, in a slinky black thing, as only Cher could wear. And <laughs> I, was, I was dressed up like a member of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the, the landmark Beatles album with the yeah. um, Victorian military garb and and everything, and um, people took pictures of me because it was a musician's crowd, and they said, hey, this kid likes the Beatles. So, oh, <laughs> Wow, and that was early. That was a long time ago. Yes, what a, it was. What a, fun, what a fun story. I mean, what a great way to, to introduce your kids to creativity at an early age. Well, you know, we, ha- we love costumes at my house, and so we, Anna and I write about that kind of stuff all the time. We love to talk about, um, you know, teaching kids to read with and to be creative and to use their imagination. And I think that's one reason I was kind of drawn to your writing, because uh, we always believe that if you teach a child to use their imagination, you've equipped them to be empathetic. We, we can't really understand other people's feelings and, and pain unless we're able to imagine how that would feel. And so we're big on imagination at my house. I think it makes for compassionate people. Okay. But speaking of compassion, I, d- I don't, I know this half hour is going to go really quickly. So I don't want to forget to ask you about your first book, 
and I want to just give my listening friends in case there are so many of them are younger than me. The Luby's massacre was a mass killing that took place on October 16th in 1991 in Colleen, Texas. And Anytime there's a massacre or guns are used in Texas, we get really like we just had the Uvalde sad occasion. And we're always surprised when it happens in Texas because most people here protect themselves. And so when somebody can do what this gentleman, not gentleman, but this man did, he drove his pickup into the Luby's cafeteria and shot and killed 23 people, wounded 20, and then committed suicide himself. And it was one of the deadliest rampages in American history, even now it's still one of the worst. So I'm just curious, Jason, I've been dying to ask you, what attracted you to that story and what made you want to write about that? Murder is the ultimate sin. And when someone who could commit it 23 times yeah. in minutes, uh, I was a screenwriter at the time, in 1991, early 90s. Um, I was turning 30, right around that time. And there was a market, I'll be totally blunt, a market um, for TV movies about true crime. Still ah. is a popular genre. So I explored it on that basis. However, as I got into the story and did my research, it transformed me. It made me into an advocate for the people who suffered so. It made me into an advocate for the brave police officers who mm -hmm. engaged within minutes. To put it quite bluntly, it was the polar opposite of what happened in Uvalde. Yeah. Off just down the way at a um, car seminar nearby a hotel. They they um, saw the disaster unfolding. They pulled their guns and jumped into battle with this monster. And that made all the difference. And um, you, when, when you learn this incredible story of humanity, worst and its very best, Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's interesting. So what tell me the title of that book. I didn't research your title, I'm sorry. That's the one Anatomy of a Massacre. Oh yeah. I, I actually saw that on here somewhere. Okay. Anatomy of a Massacre, in case anyone having heard that description would like to follow up and read it. So today I'm I'm I want to spell Jason's last name. It's K A R P F. And uh do you have a website? I I should know this but I can't remember. Oh yeah, I yes, went to your I, website. J A S N K A R P is in Paul, F is in Frank dot com. Okay, so if they want to know more about your other, because how many books have you written? I wrote Anatomy of, the Mass, of a Massacre in the 90s, and since then I've written Christian sci-fi novels and Christian textbooks. So you put it all together, one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, so we're going to run out of time, but if you want to look for some of Jason's writing, some of his books, uh, I know my I have a lot of reading friends, and so you can find those at Jason Karp, 
karpf.com. That's K-A-R-P-F.com. When we, we're going to take a break here, but when we come back, one of the things I want to ask you about is bringing sci-fi into youth groups. I'm going to be really interested to hear some of the stories you have around that and how that's working, because I, I feel like we're losing this generation of young people. And I, 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 I keep praying for revival. So many of my friends know that that's how Dave and I pray, that we're getting reports that there are revivals starting to happen in the younger group. So the younger generation. So I'm eager to talk to you a little bit about that and hear more about it. Um, this is Kathy Crafty, and you're listening to Fireside Talk Radio. So stay with us and don't forget to look for us at kathycrafty.com. We don't want to miss a moment at Fireside Talk Radio. So stay tuned for more adventures as we talk about the things women store and ponder in their hearts. More truth with a Texas twang when we return. Y'all to see my blue-eyed Sally, she lives way down on Shimbone Alley. The number on the gate and the number on the door in the next house over is a grocery store. Want to move from coexisting to cherished? From isolated to influential? Hi, this is Kathy. Just for you, we have two books out now devoted to creating better conversations, life-changing conversational adventures. Marriage Conversations, From Coexisting to Cherished, is 20 chapters packed with easy, practical ideas. This is the book I wrote for my kids. It's brimming over with personal stories and stuff I learned the hard way. Then, The Well, The Art of Drawing Out Authentic Conversations explores over 40 different ways Jesus launched the woman at the well from lonely to leadership. You can find our books with our wonderful publishers, Cross River Media and Elk Lake Publishers, at local bookstores or at Amazon.com. Buy two, one to read out loud to your hubby and one to share with a friend. Order yours today and have your own conversational adventures tonight. What if I told you there was a new place for senior care? A place where mom's bathtub recitals are met with rousing applause? Where Lola the Yorkie Poo has the run of the place? A place where corn dogs are on the menu whenever? It's home, where mom built her life. Call Home Instead Senior Care at 1-800-455-CARE or visit homeinstead.com to learn more about in-home services like 24-hour care, memory care, hospice support, and meals and nutrition. We want to thank our generous sponsors for making these candid conversations possible at Fireside Talk Radio, where truth and Texas twang meet. I saw my Welcome back. My we are talking to Jason Karp. He is the most interesting person. He's got this huge history with Hollywood and even met Cher one time. That's amazing, Jason. I mean, what a, what a history you have. So I don't think it should be that surprising that um, you're doing some really creative things with young people. And I was, this is one of the things I could not wait to talk to you about was asking you, first of all, what do you do when you go into a youth group and you start talking about science fiction? I want to hear how you're engaging the young people. And then I don't want to, don't let me forget to tell our listening friends how they can find you and get you to come to their church. Okay. 
You bet. Okay. The thing I always begin with is I acknowledge that people may think Christianity and science fiction, that works. How could they ever go together? Yeah. And then I point out that scripture and sci-fi share the same lesson, and that is playing God leads to trouble. <laughs> that is so good. I'm going to quote you on that. <laughs> Please. <laughs> it's in God's own living word that we're taught as much. Yeah. The Bible do not rely on your own strength. Do not conform to the world. Do not lay up the treasure that can succumb to rust and moths and all of these things mean the stuff of man. And sci-fi is about man exceeding himself. And this is wonderful. We are always in a quest to do more, to be closer to God. When we do it right, we are godly. We do it wrong, there is disaster. Mm -hmm. And Throughout the Bible, we see um, those who worshipped false idols, those who craved ultimate power, Pharaoh to Saul to Herod to all the Caesars, always the same. Mm -hmm. So science fiction is the same thing. Going back to the original novel for Frankenstein just over 200 years ago, Mm-hmm. And this is the theme. I'm going to be like God. Now they may say it or not. Um, certainly, Doctor Frankenstein was 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 pretty forthcoming in God-like aspirations, um, especially in the Boris Karloff movie adaptation mm-hmm. 31. And those are the consequences. So this is how science fiction and Christianity go together. And when I talk about this for a couple of minutes, people see the connection, and they get very interested. And I'm talking young people, and um, and that's all the way from teens, uh, middle schoolers on up. The college students I teach who are um, traditional age students, 18 to 22, very much into this. But yeah. I'll let you know. I'll let you know another little secret. Um, Folks just a wee bit older are into this as well. I'm 61 years old. I read Marvel Comics. Yeah. When they were the comics, late 60s. Today, they're the biggest movies in history. It makes me kind of sad. It's like they're messing them up, though. Well, I'm not saying they're doing them all right, but that is the basis of today's Hollywood blockbuster. It sure is. Think about it. I was a yeah. high school freshman when I saw a sneak preview of the of the first Star Wars movie, now known right. as episode 1977. Yeah. And so folks my age are all over it, too, and love it. Mm-hmm. And this wonderful bridge between young and older. <laughs> and, well, and and I, I would say ours, my generation is the Star Wars generation, but then my kids love all like Spider Man and all that. Well, naturally, yeah. 
naturally their kids then do too. So, so we, so we have this generational thing that's happening, um, especially the younger people. I just notice it, the, the 30 to forties and then the, their kids, you know, that like early teens, cause that's the age my kids are and my grandkids. But, um, but I wonder, so sometimes I, I, I don't know. I want to talk to you some more. When we do the other podcast, I'm going to ask you this question about if it, if some of this that we're seeing on TV is becoming more and more demonic almost. I mean, it does kind of worry me a little. So you may not want to answer that in your as you're telling kind of your story, but I want to come back to that. And I've made myself a note not to forget to ask you about that. So um, when you go to churches and you bring this to them, that's really meeting them where they are because – I can tell you my kids would much rather go to youth group if they knew the topic was going to be, uh, you know, superheroes. That's what they yeah. want to talk about. So how does that work when you come to a church? It is the it is the classic advice of meeting people where they are when you want to share the gospel. And it is a very accepted and effective way of using Pop culture. There's no other way of putting it. And um, the, the the precedent that I look to, and, and as I've done my marketing research and preparation for my ministry, uh-huh. is music. Music. Oh. You've got Jesus Revolution about to hit the theaters, and that centers on the Jesus music movement of a half century ago. Mm-hmm. Where rock and pop were introduced to worship, and there were concerns. Yeah, this is demonic. Right. Uh, you're you're cheapening God, but you have you have musicians like Larry Norman, the legendary Christian musician, and many others who said, "No, this music can bring joy, healing, lessons." and unity and this has been going on for 50 years and you will find in church after church evangelical churches um, that worship it's a pop and rock worship and i think that's beautiful i am a musician i'm music school you talk about worship i'm a bass player i also play guitar and I see the parallels here completely with taking science fiction and showing God is there, too. You, know, right. you crank up cars and drums, God run away. God runs from nothing. God is everywhere. You sit down and want to enjoy, and do, do enjoy your Star Wars with the many wonderful spinoffs, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But don't think you're turning off God. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's okay. You're done at church now. Live your real life. And it it creates this false separation, this idea that God's not there. And also another idea that I feel is harmful, that something is automatically bad or sinful. Mm -hmm. We've been way past the point that... um, that um, that rock and roll is automatically in an express elevator to hell. It is now, <laughs> an, 
it is now instead used as a gateway mm -hmm. to connect people right at the heart. Yeah. And I absolutely look at science fiction the same way. That's so interesting. It's, a, it's really stretching my imagination to hear you talk this way. I, I'm trying to imagine you going into the youth group. Do you bring slideshows with you? How does that work? Sure. What we do is um, we watch classic and contemporary sci-fi. Ah. Um, the old man here, known as Professor K, my, um, my presentations are called Christian Sci-Fi Night with Professor K. Okay. true. And we like to watch the old stuff um, just a couple of nights ago at Life Assembly Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Also happens to be Annie in my home church. Uh -huh. we, watched, we watched an episode of The Twilight Zone from 1961 called It's a Good Life, where oh. Billy Mumford, being lost in space, plays this mutant six-year-old boy with telekinetic powers godlike powers, you would describe them, and holds this tiny tower town in complete terror, including his parents. And the lesson was, here's someone getting as close to God as you can imagine in perceived power. Of course, nothing like the infinite love and true power of God, but in, in, in terms of human purposes, and mm -hmm. look at the disaster that happens. So mm -hmm. that's we had pizza and popcorn, and then we talked about it. And um, we, in, in Christian Sci-Fi Night, we watch episodes of The Twilight Zone, original Star Trek, also um, a modern sci-fi like The Mandalorian, mm -hmm. Star Wars. And so you're teaching kids to understand the parallels to what the creator of that sci-fi is speaking about versus how the Bible describes God, and you're teaching them to differentiate and analyze what they're watching. Is that the idea? Completely. Okay, and awesome. I, and I um, seek to follow the lessons of, of my teacher. I think you know this man, Jesus Christ, the, <laughs> the great storyteller. Yeah, he is. Isn't that true? And the great communicator, too, which is what my books are about. Well, okay, I, we're going to run out of... I was going to say, my hero, Craig, in a second, great communicator, Jesus first. And what yeah. is Jesus? He uses parables. Okay, we're going to run out of time, and I don't want to miss a chance to just give people the name of your latest book, The Deliverer. And it's about, I mean, I could easily picture it because COVID had just happened when I read it. And you ha you build this whole amazing plot line around the, the context is, in the future, people are accepting these deliveries, and that's the only way we really. I mean, there's so little contact that the delivery, the deliverer, becomes kind of this big uh, personage in the book. So, mm -hmm. uh, and he's actually turns into the hero of the story, and there's a little romance. So, if you want to read it to your husband, you can. Uh, I want to give you Jason's uh, website again: Jason Karp, K A R P F. Dot com because we're going to have to say goodbye. This is Kathy Craffy. You've been listening to Camp Craffy's Fireside Talk Radio, where we speak truth with a Texas twang. Oh, no. 
you for joining us today where we speak truth with a Texas twang. Oh, fellow. Got in key.